Welcome to Everyday Expression, featuring the ministry of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church from Huntington, West Virginia. Let's join in live now from the sanctuary of Expression Church for a powerful word straight from God for your everyday real life. There's no way you can explain Jesus in detail because he's so vast and great. But let me attempt to give a glimpse, perhaps, into the heart of the scriptures and um, maybe even extract a little bit of what this song was even trying to communicate. It was a guy, Michelle, I'm going completely off script from this morning, so you just bear with me here. Um, it was a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. All you church kids know what I'm talking about. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. I don't know the rest of the song. I lost, I lost, I got, lost my attention after that first verse in church. But he was a, a Jewish guy. The Romans were smart because when they took over in the Jewish area and, um, and Israel, what they began to do when they began to populate their kingdom, the Roman Empire... They were pretty intelligent and smart because rather than pick a Roman to come in and be over taxes and be the tax collector, they knew if they did, it would make even more resentment from the uh, Jewish people and make more of a, uh, a line of delineation and more of a, a schism than it already was. So the Rome, Roman government would pick a Jew and begin to raise them up from a young age. So they picked this guy named Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, however you want to pronounce it. Zacchaeus was trained as a young man to be a public and a tax collector. He would collect all the taxes, heavy, high taxes, on the Jewish people. And he had the prerogative because as long as he paid the Romans what the Romans' tax was, it didn't really matter that what he collected over. So if the tax rate was a certain percentage... He would collect the minimum for Rome, and what he could get away with, he would collect for himself. So, as time went on, as you might imagine, he was not a popular guy amongst the religious people, the Jewish people. In fact, they didn't like him at all. In fact, he was public in the center, and even the religious sect and group of people really didn't like it. So, Zacchaeus was a guy that was not very popular, but had a lot of stature and a lot of, a lot of authority in that community during that time. Well, the word had gotten out that there was this man named Jesus that was going through all of the community, and he was doing things that were disrupting everyday life for the Jewish community and for the Romans. They couldn't figure out what was happening because here all of a sudden this guy comes on the scene as a 30-year-old. They'd heard about him as a kid, but he kind of didn't come into his own until he hit about 30. When he hit 30 years old, things started happening, and uh, he starts this ministry and going around to different places. He would heal people. Um, he would raise people from the dead. 
He would uh, touch people's lives. He would forgive the worst of the worst, the people caught in the act of adultery. He would forgive them. He, would, he was the advocate for the underdog. Every time a religious person, when I say religious, I'm talking about a, a prideful, arrogant uh, person would come, a condemning person, a self-righteous person would come against an individual. Jesus was the guy that stood in the gap for the person that was the underdog. He was known as a sinner's friend, a publican friend. He was the, a, a sinner uh, would, would, would feel comfortable coming to him because he wasn't gonna condemn them for their actions. So he was that guy. So Zacchaeus had heard about him. He knew he was coming to the town he was in, but because Zacchaeus was a wee little man, short in stature, he knew he was coming and it was tons of people. The Bible says presses of people. The press of people were so great around him that there was no way for him to be able to see him. So Zacchaeus found a sycamore tree, and you guys know the story if you know the song, and it's in the book of Luke. He climbed up this tree so he could get a picture or a, a glimpse to be able to see Jesus as he was coming through. Something made him curious. Something made him curious. He had heard about him. He had seen him. It could have been the fact that, hey, my livelihood is threatened because I'm doing some things that I probably shouldn't be doing. And here comes a guy that's going to come and clean it up. And he might threaten the entire Roman government uh, because everybody in the, in, the, in the Jewish side of things were hoping Jesus was coming to set up his own kingdom and overthrow that Roman government. So it could be that, or it could be just the fact that, you know, there was something about Jesus that was drawing him close. He couldn't see. He, he was curious. So Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree. Jesus comes to the town. When Jesus gets right to the tree where Zacchaeus was able to see him, all the people were still gathered around, but Zacchaeus had a clear spot view to Jesus. Jesus looks up. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Because the song says, I want to dine. Today I will dine with thee. What? For I'm going to a house to what? Today. Today. Something like that. And he says, come down. I'll say it in my version. Get off that tree. Come on down here. Because today, I must come to your house to visit your house. Zacchaeus comes down off the tree. He goes to Jesus. Jesus tells him. They start walking together. They go to his house. The Pharisees, the religious people, the sect of society that was all gathered around that had been watching Jesus look around and go, who, who is he that would pick a publican? a sinner and go to their house, talk to them, have dinner with them. I mean, it's one thing associating with them or waving at them when you go by them. It's one thing saying you'll pray for them as you're walking down the street. But going to eat dinner at the publican's house? This guy, he must not know all the things this man has done wrong. There's no way he could know. So they start questioning Jesus. He, oh, he thought he was a prophet. He can't be a prophet. He wouldn't know he was, he would know he was gone. He couldn't know or he wouldn't be putting himself in that kind of position to connect and associate himself with a publican, a sinner. Huh. Jesus goes and talks to Zacchaeus, eats with him. Zacchaeus comes back to Jesus and says, you know what? I've I, I, I spent some time with you. I'm going to go back. And everybody I've done wrong, I'm going to go give it to him. 
I'm going to make it all right. I will pay him back. I think it says fourfold. I'm going to do this by memory. I think it says go back, pay him back fourfold. I'm paying them all. I'm paying them all back. Everybody I've done wrong, I'm paying back. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, you sinner, you publican, you've done this wrong. And what you need to do is go make retribution to those people. Jesus was more confident in his presence and what he stood for and the love that he radiated to everybody than trying to get a guy to turn and train, change his mind. Now, the controversies that we face today are difficult. They're hard. How do you handle the question about somebody being gay? We don't talk about it a lot at church, but we do talk a lot about it on our own time. We're wondering, we're trying to figure it out. And I'm gonna give you some observations and some thoughts just on this particular subject, and I'm gonna move on to a few others. But if we're gonna be raised up to be who God has called us to be, we're not gonna be able to avoid some of the sociological issues, spiritual issues that are out there that we're facing. Because in a, in a, and the reason I'm doing this today, Michael brought me this song and I said, let's do it next week, let's do it right now. I didn't want to wait. We're in the year 2020, where the, the, the country is more polarized than it's ever been. I've never seen more hatred and venom than, I've ever, than I see right now. You don't see a whole lot of love. I mean, I, I'm, I'm see, even in our city, it, it's a local election, it's a state election, it's a, it's a national election, it, it's gonna even get worse, right? You're gonna fall on one side, you're gonna fall on the other. You're gonna see some good things about this one and that one and not so good things about this one and that one. But where does the church stand? Where do we? You're gonna see division even in amongst the churches because self-righteousness is gonna raise its head but also sloppy, anything goes, grace, that you can just do anything you wanna do and it's still gonna be okay and Jesus still loves you is gonna raise its head too. I'm gonna to submit to you that both of those positions are not correct. We okay? I've come to realize, and I'm just arming you and equipping you with this today. I've come to realize that there are some theological perspectives and convictions I have that I believe the Bible speaks of. And those theological correct convictions are not compromising. We don't compromise, right? Homosexuality is, is, is wrong, is a sin. It's scripture. Theologically, it could, is, should convict us and should convict those theologically. But there's a side to the coin that we don't talk about too often. So even though it's what it is blatantly in the scripture, relationally, it draws a whole nother heartstring. Theologically, it's black and white. Relationally, it's not so black and white. 
It's easy to be theologically correct until it's your family, until it's your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, somebody you work with. You can still be theologically correct, but relationally torn apart. Right? So to be theologically correct, but do not have the love of God that sheds abroad in your heart makes you a religious zealot that's going to turn off everybody. Nobody's going to want to hear what you have to say. Are Are you following me? We should be carrying so much baptism of love that when we are around whoever, they are open up enough to be able to talk to us without condemnation, criticism. Are you hearing me? Guilt, shame, like they're less than because I got news for you. I can find theologically wrong that but I promise you, if I followed you around for 24 hours a day, I will find something theologically incorrect about your life too. Okay. We'll be right back with more Everyday Expression. Finding that in this season of my life, God is really pushing on me and putting me in situations um, to do things for His kingdom that, frankly, I never thought I would ever a be qualified to do, but even be capable of doing. And as I'm looking around, um, I see that He's doing this throughout the church, across the board, and not even in the in your in in your church per se, but even in in just in life in general. He is raising up people and he's positioning them in places, whether it's at work, whether it's at your church, whether it's your kids' school, wherever, wherever you have a a platform of influence, he's raising people up in new ways to really advance his kingdom. And what I have learned is that when God has given you an assignment and you know that it's from God, the minute that you start to activate on that, the enemy will attack it. And he will attack it by giving you thoughts of, I'm not qualified, I'm out, you know, I'm in over my head, I don't have time for this, whatever that looks like for you. And it reminded me of this scenario when I was watching one of my boys play basketball. And we had a team of 20 show up for this particular game. And we had what I would have said an undergod dog team show up team of five country kids, right? And so at the same point, the two teams were given two basketballs and said, go and just warm up kids before the game. And so my kids team goes and they're showing off for each other, trying to dunk the ball and just do what teenage boys do. And I noticed that the other team stopped warming up, stood there with the ball, with this look of defeat on their face, just watching the other team display their talent. That's what the enemy will do to you. He will have you look out at the landscape of where God is calling you, and he will show you all the great people that went before you that you think, I'm not qualified and have that talent. That's where he will try to mentally defeat you, just like he mentally defeated those kids. Those kids showed up for the game, but they didn't participate. They conceded to the loss because they didn't think they were qualified to be on the same court as those kids. But let me tell you this, and any good underdog story shows this, when God's grace is on you for something, then there is no stopping you. It does not matter what you are standing against or who went before you. He has graced you to do something specific for his kingdom. 
Do not let the enemy get you defeated in your head and stop you from getting off the start line. This has been Pastor Maria Reynolds with Curator Ministries and Expression Ministries Network. If you'd like any more information about Curator Ministries, please visit the Facebook page today or subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also email Pastor Maria at maria at exmn.org. We hope that today's ministry has been a blessing to you so far. I speak on behalf of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church when I say it's an honor and a privilege to get to minister all across the world. The only way that we can reach the world is through people helping financially sowing into the ministry. People just like yourself who have been blessed and are truly feeding from this ministry. So if you feel like that's you today and you'd like to join in and begin to sow so that the message of the kingdom of God can spread into all areas of the nations, I encourage you today, visit expchurch.org, click on the word give, or you can also text give by sending a message to the number 84321 and the text giving amount. We hope again that you have been blessed by this ministry and that you will experience the expression of Jesus Christ in your everyday real life. We're back with more everyday expression. We are not going to embrace that lifestyle as a theological, doctrinal perspective of our church. But relationally, I don't care what background you come from. I don't care what you did last night. I know you're welcome to come in here in the presence of us, which entertains the presence of him. And I'm going to rely on, through relationships, that you're going to be drawn to a place in him that your heart then does become convicted, that you want to see change and transformation in your heart. Not that you get convicted because we tell you you're wrong, but something inside of you begins to see that there is another way. I'll put that in the same category because it seems to be the elephant in the room across this country. And just because I'm, I'm theologically convicted by it doesn't make me a hater of people that are homosexual. Right? Because relationally, my heart goes out. Right? But it doesn't make any difference. I'm theologically against the addicts, drug addicts, and, and, and drinking to drunk. I'm against that. But I'm for people. Are you hearing me? See, the position of the church to be theologically correct is not what you're always against. It's relationally who you are for. And we are for him, and we know by the power of our own testimony and by the blood of his, 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 that on the cross, that it transforms and changes us into his image. It's the goodness of God that draws and leads a man to repent. The gospel is good news. It's not something that we're gonna take a stand on to be right and beat our chest, because if you beat your chest to be right, you're really wrong. Where's the compassion? I can have compassion on a sinner and not endorse their activities. I find myself all the time, I kick myself in the rear end a lot for this one reason. I find people over here, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for the underdog. I always have been. I like people to come out, come out of their, their when they're underneath something to come out and be on top. I, I, and when I see somebody pouncing on somebody else, even when I disagree with that person, 
I find myself defending them, even though I don't agree with them. I'll smack them in the face, but you better not. I'll tell them they're wrong, but you better not. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? We, we're bring, we're going to raise up and grow up a church of people. Here's why. It's going to get ugly this year. And if you're not founded on the principle of the love of God, in your, and I'm talking about the love of God. Oh, God, I pray you love people. I pray you want to see somebody healed of a disease, not because they get healed of a disease, but because you don't want to see them living in that affliction anymore. The compassion of the, of the, of the affliction to get rid of the affliction is greater than just us wanting to see a miracle. And us wanting to see a sign. It's grounded in the love of God and the people that we're surrounded with. Who, who are we? I had a lady walk in my office this, this morning. Lady that's, I mean, really rough. Been bad off for a long time. And goes through a lot. And she found us. She went to the other church when we were on 18th Street. And she found us and I'm in my office and she just opens up the door. I found you, she said. And there she comes walking in. And she sits down, crosses her legs. And she says, when are you going to get a, when are you going to get a shuttle? And I said, well, we, we're working on getting a shuttle. We're actually talking about that even this morning. We're, we're working on that. But you need to get a shuttle. Because me and her, she said, James are coming to church. And I said, well, I said, why is it that you come here? She said, I walk through the streets of Huntington. I get things thrown at me, said at me. I get people spitting at me. She said, but I walked in that church over there behind the hospital. And when I walked in, she goes, not one person judged me knowing the lifestyle I was living. Not one. She said, I walked in. She said, you hugged me and I didn't even smell well. And I said, I know you stunk. <laughs> you did. You stunk. Right? Well, theologically, <laughs> relationally, it's how this works. Right? I, yeah, am I going to just let her go dirty? No. She got to get clean. You got to shower. Is this the gospel or not? I'm just telling you guys, we like it black and white. We like to be able to just say, oh, and we're against an entire sect of people while those sect of people are hurting. And here's the thing. A guy asked me this not too long. He said, what about, what, what do you tell somebody that's been living in a homosexual lifestyle and they say that they, they love God? They do. They love the God that they know. Just like we love the God that we know. Our goal is to get to know the God so we can love him the way God wants us to love him. So us, we, in our search for truth, we peel back the layers that God reveals to us who he is. And as he reveals himself to us, the love of God begins to change you. Because it's no longer good. And this was, a, this was a say, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me unconditionally. Yes, he loves you unconditionally. But unless you receive the unconditional love, you will never change. God's love unconditional without receiving that love won't change who you are. It's never a license to sin. Grace will never give you a license to feed the flesh. 
It won't. It wasn't good enough for Zacchaeus to see Jesus from the high place. He could have never related to it. Zacchaeus had to come down from the tree to relate to him, to feel him and then touch him, to sense him, to communicate with him, to hear his heartbeat. Because from the high place, you can hear about him. But when you come off your high place, you get to know him for yourself. High and lifted up was Zacchaeus. Come down, Zacchaeus. That sycamore tree in, he, in, in Greek also means fig. It was figs, fig tree. Figs, root word. Don't you remember what Adam had in the garden when he sinned? He took the fig leaves from the tree, wrapped them around himself. God comes looking at him and says, Adam, what are you doing? You made an apron of the fig leaves. Take those off because you cannot cover your own nakedness. So Zacchaeus had to come down off the tree to see God for himself. Not from a distance, but close up. And I've got just enough, I've got enough confidence in God that no matter what problem a person's facing, whether they know they have a problem or they don't realize they have a problem, doesn't matter. I have enough confidence if they come in contact with God and they connect with God, they're going to change. They're going to change. They're going to see their situation the way it is and it's going to change them. Because the closer I get to him, the less judgmental I become. The more I love people, but the more I hate the sin that holds people in bondage too. There's a couple that I read about that they were having marital issues and they went to a a counselor, marital counselor, and they weren't getting anywhere, just wasn't working, just was not working. They were at an impasse. She had been molested when she was younger. She couldn't get past the intimacy issues she was having. He was thinking it was her, his problem. It became a problem with the two of them. And they worked and worked and worked and worked to try to get through this. So the, the counselor had this idea to um, said, look, I would introduce a little bit of perhaps what they, what they would call soft pornography into your relationship for you would be able to, now these were two Christian people soft pornography to enter into your relationship to help you go through, you know, just kind of break some of those barriers that they were there. So they go back to their, they're talking to their pastor and the pastor, he says, uh, you know, here's what this counselor's telling us we need to all introduce. What's sober in here today? You feel this? So he calls the pastor up and he says, listen, pastor, he said, man, this guy had an idea that I, I don't know that I would have ever thought of, but you know, just want to get your opinion on that. And the pastor said, don't you even think about it. He said, you don't think he's right? He goes, I, I know that person's qualified. They've got more skill than I ever have. But let me tell you what experience I've got. I have never met anybody that was introduced to pornography that it enhanced their life. He said, in fact, I hate pornography so bad. And the pastor told him the testimony. He said, I was addicted to pornography. That's what he said. 
He said, it took me years and years and years to break the, 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 the thought process, to get that off of me. It got inside of me, and I couldn't get off of me. And I got, it was awful. And I, I, I dabbled around, dabbled. He said, I was even pastoring the church and still fought this thing. He said, he said you don't toy with that thing. It's not a medicine. It's a sin. And man, when I read that thing off there, it dawned on me. That pastor hated that sin so bad, and he loved those people so much, he wasn't about to let them compromise themselves for that sin. That was a picture in my head when I read that that told me, man, when you love people and you hate that sin, you will be able to find that mark right in the middle that needs to be walked on. You'll find that line, they'll be able to draw the line in the sand and say, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not for your good. And he had such a relationship with them that they called him first before they even entered into it. That tells me that they trusted him and he was in their life, which was able to speak into them. You've got people in your life that will speak into you. Don't always call the people that will give you the permission to do wrong. Call those people that are in your life that will tell you what truth is. They will give you grace, they'll give you mercy, they'll give you love, but they'll give you truth. And when you hear truth, be a lover of truth. Hear that truth and walk away from whatever is going to try to trip you up. Again, we hope that today has been a blessing to you and that you have received so many great things from the ministry of Pastor Kevin West and Expression Church in Huntington, West Virginia. If you'd like more resources or maybe you just want to get to know Pastor Kevin a little bit better, all you have to do is there's two websites, kevinwest.org or expchurch.org. There you'll find many downloadable sermons, many of our live services from Huntington, and then also Pastor Kevin's newest book, Angel and Isle 3. I want to encourage you, go to those websites. And then also you can download Expression Church's app from the iTunes Store or Google Play. It's a completely free app with all of our information right there on your mobile device. Again, be blessed. Wherever you are in this world, God has called you to be the tangible, real expression of Christ in everyday real life.